We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome in to the RotoWire NFL podcast brought to you by Yahoo and Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. John McKechnie hanging out with Mario Puig, getting you ready for week four of the NFL action. As always, we will be running through every game of the slate this weekend from every angle imaginable. So a lot of quick hitters getting you all set, helping with your lineup decisions, with your survivor, uh, with the spreads, all that good stuff. Uh, before we jump into that, Mario, I know you saw the Deadwood movie this week. Yeah, I did. And are you? It's bad. Have you recovered yet? Oh yeah, I was fine. I didn't go into it with that high of hopes. I mean, Ian McShane himself, the guy who plays Al Swearingen, was asked, and uh, I don't know. I guess this might have been like two years ago already, but he was asked, "Did you see the script? What did you think of the script?" And he just said something like, "It's it's all right," or it's something. It's a script, all right. And I kind of between that and the fact that I I don't know. I I feel like I know a lot of people who like Deadwood a lot, and it. Shannon McEwen aside, and I only heard this after the fact, but Shannon McEwen aside, I hadn't heard anybody saying like, wow, what a great movie. And I feel like Deadwood is one of those things where if it was a really good movie, 
it would have been quite a bit of chatter resulting. Oh, yeah. But I thought it was pretty bad. I don't know how much I can talk about it without spoiling things. But uh, I just don't think they were faithful to the characters, like realistically faithful to the characters. I think they they kind of Disneyed up a few parts. And Mm -hmm. I think they... That's a show that doesn't need a Disney upping. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's wrong. It, like specifically, there was like one character. Actually, there was there was one character they introduced who was not in the show and actually served no function except taking up screen time that could have gone to someone else, namely Dan Doherty, who they did not put on the the script basically at all. Um, but this new character, this like prostitute who's been imported from wherever else in the country she's just there to be like on camera a bunch of times looking around being like huh wow what's going on around here oh that's al swearingen and you know like i guess she was brought in to work for him or something by the way she's like way too fancy and rich looking to do that al swearingen in real life mostly just like kidnapped uh, the prostitutes and forced them to or like he would he would basically <laughs> trick them into under the threat of violence into into like indentured servitude, that kind of thing. And in the show, where he's still, you know, he's made more likable because you you can't be sympathetic to someone who actually was Al Swearingen. The, the the screen version of him, he still had like cheap prostitutes. There's another there's another saloon in town called the Bella Union that had the expensive ones, and he had the cheap ones. But this one was a totally a Bella Union sort of prostitute, like an expensive one. But yeah, she doesn't really do anything except just stand around being like, wow, uh, these guys sure have their guns and they're fighting about something or other. And then at the end, like she's basically approached by Trixie, uh, one, of the, one of the characters in the show who's really good. Uh, and she's, she's just like, hey... Did you ever think about not being a prostitute? Like, that's what she was in the movie for, is to just hang around, and then at the end, some vague sort of, like, affirmation thing about, like, you know, you should you should have, like, rights and stuff. And it's like, did you really... This character said nothing useful. Like, you, no, one, no one was opposing that thesis, and so this character being forced into the narrative, functioning no other way to do that made no sense and it was basically to like displace dan doherty who actually was a really important character in the show but anyway uh it's it's there was also a thing where like uh jane you know calamity jane only foul mouthed only vulgar you know all of a sudden coming up into say like a sappy thing to her her love interest that was totally out of character just things like that there were some cool moments but it was nowhere near as good as the show oh, that's disappointing you, you always hate when when something like you know that you loved on, on on the tv screen comes back in the movie form and it just falls flat i mean uh, i think the simpsons had already kind of gone rotten by the time that the, they got around to finishing the, the simpsons movie i know they worked on that for forever and you know for that to come out in like 2007 that the show had already kind of begun its downslide but that was still a colossal disappointment in its own right um but let's uh let's shift Something the gears else, here yeah. yeah let's let's talk about football uh for the next hour or so um before we jump into the slate we got a message from our friends over at yahoo The NFL season is officially underway, which means Yahoo Daily Fantasy has returned. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo Cup is free to enter, and a perfect lineup will win you $1 million every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 
and a United States citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from the game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. All right, Mario, we'll kind of start things off with the highest uh, implied uh, scoring game of the week here. We got the Chiefs and the Lions facing off. I want to talk a little bit about on Johnson. I found some kind of perplexing numbers. You know, I tried to understand why he's gotten off to a slow start to this point. Good tackle, good broken tackle percentage, um, but he's just getting stopped uh, behind the line of scrimmage a lot. Um, 82% of his yards have come after contact, and you think, oh, that's good, but also probably unsustainable. But when all of those yards are coming after contact and the yards after contact is just 2.2 yards after the fact, that's the 25th percentile among running backs. It just shows that like he's not getting any yards, period. Yeah, and I don't... I haven't like studied it closely enough to have a specific theory as to why that's happening, but I think one reasonably quick suspicion would just be, well, Daryl Bavell's running more uh, like bunchable formations that don't give him as much space as uh, Jim Bob Cooter did just by like putting more uh, split out route runners to kind of just force, you know, more defensive backs on the field, basically. Maybe that's not it, but I will say last year, I, I remember thinking repeatedly when when Johnson was particularly good, like early in the year and making a bunch of big plays, and when when the haters were at their loudest, telling me what an idiot I was for thinking Nick Chubb was better or whatever else, uh, he had a ton of room to run. Mm-hmm. So basically, the situation was opposite last year to this year. I don't know if like there's nobody on the offensive line who's on the injury report right now. I know Taylor Decker was for a little bit. I don't know if the personnel changed otherwise. Looking at it, I don't. I don't know who their left guard last year was, but everybody else is the same. So the offensive line, you know, maybe maybe it just kind of fell off last year and it's kind of stayed more toward its type in the second half of last year. But early last year, it was it was run blocking well. Maybe that changes upcoming. Maybe it's been really bad for a reason to this point. Then maybe that reason won't change. It's still early, so I don't really know. And I think also it's possible that, I mean, not the Cardinals, but the Chargers and the Eagles might be pretty good run defenses. So, you know, that's that's 32 carries in tough settings in, in a season where he's got 48 so far. And uh, he's got the Chiefs this week. Yeah, this yeah, I mean, if you feel like if it's going to happen for him, this would be the week. I mean, the Ravens, I mean, they, they have a different looking run game than pretty much anyone else has to offer. You know, Matthew Stafford's not going to scare anybody with, with, you know, his read options or anything like that. So that it won't look quite the same against this Chiefs uh, run defense. But I mean, Gus Edwards got it going last week. Mark Ingram obviously had a huge week last week. Lamar Jackson, when he took off, also ran pretty well against this Chiefs defense. And you, you kind of said last week that Mark Ingram, you know, low key was, was you know, on the on a watch for for having a really big game last week and it, it came through because this Chiefs run defense is pretty shaky. So even if, you know, you you've been disappointed by what you've gotten out of Carry on Johnson as your third or fourth round pick to this point, this could be the week that it starts paying back off. Yeah, and I like him quite a bit in this game just because we're at far enough into the season where it's like I either have to c- convince myself like he's either going to just have a bad year or he almost necessarily needs to start having some good games. And the second one uh, seems more likely to me than the first. Like I, you you remember I was not high on carry on Johnson as a prospect. And I I still basically think he's no better than an average talent, but I think there's still usage available in this offense. And 
uh, a need for him to function in this offense that uh, dictates that you know it, it'll get better certainly maybe it won't get as good as we had hoped it would this year but it has to get better this week makes a lot of sense for that to be the case and I don't know it's like I'm looking at these these snap counts for the receivers Amendola did not play a whole lot last week and in general Darrell Bavell is running more two wide than he is three wide which is kind of uh I I guess I don't know for sure what they were doing last year off the top of my head but I would imagine they were more so like a three wide offense last year uh, maybe Daryl Bavell because maybe of after sp- Golden Tate they switched it back to more two wide. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, yeah, I don't know how much of that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how much of that had to do with the success of carry-ons or not. But in any case, they've struggled the past two weeks. Daryl Bavell is going to have pressure to change something. Maybe he responds to that pressure. Maybe he just decides he'd rather see if he can keep failing the exact same way over and over. I don't know. But if they air it out a little bit. Uh, that's another thing too. He hasn't been getting targets. Carry on Johnson has him. And that just seems weird to me. Uh, even in a Daryl Bavell offense, I would I would think that he would get more than. Um, let's see how many targets he's got here. He's got a. Uh, he's got six. So forty eight rush attempts. Now I thought that was going to be a, a different ratio. Certainly, I thought it was. I thought it was going to be like a sixty kind of target season for Carry on, and he's not anywhere near that pace he's basically gotten half the number of targets as i thought he would so i I think that's going to step up and and if only for this game because they're going to unless mahomes has a bad game which i guess could happen the lions quite simply will need to try to match the pace that mahomes has so far set basically with with like utmost comfort too like he's not even being challenged really no so so yeah the lions will need to kind of yeah like you said keep things snappy on the offensive side so hopefully that that sets up well for carry on johnson um as far as the the chief side of this thing um what do you make of their backfield uh for this week you know it, we got more question marks i think darrell henderson or darrell williams, williams i'm sorry was a very trendy pickup this week he looked good uh coming off the bench last weekend uh much to my surprise i'm sure you were probably pretty surprised too i think it was just open space to be honest okay. and um like he wasn't he had a couple nice runs don't get me wrong and like he can play competently even at lsu he was a totally decent player and he was their passing down back over geist for the most part but he still strikes me as kind of like a joik bell kind of player or something like that and i think it's pretty simple if you give damian williams the kind of running lanes that daryl williams had like some of those long whatever 15 yard runs might just be touchdowns instead because the reason the reason everybody produces in this offense is because it is a system that makes it easy on the running backs Mm -hmm. there's just open space you just have to not fall over and you have to make the right reads to go where the space is and everything else will work itself out and you know damian williams can take that space just as well and he runs a 445 instead of a 472 so uh with that said i don't know enough about like mccoy's condition to, to have a good idea where this goes i can imagine it being kind of just like a 30 30 kind of split in terms of snap count and with mccoy getting more of the rushing workload and williams more of the pass catching work um i guess i would project mccoy to get more work as the game gets more competitive i don't think damian williams is going to play uh, for whatever it's worth so have you dropped darwin thompson in places where you have him yet i've been fighting myself over that but i think i'm i'm there pretty much i wouldn't argue against it at this point uh i don't think you need to just because i don't know sometimes there's just trash available and it's not necessarily productive to cut anybody but uh yeah if there's somebody you could use 
it's you know he's a he's a prime candidate to be the first to go i think so too um so then just kind of overarching uh for this game lions are at home they are almost a touchdown underdog six and a half uh do you do you have a side on this one uh, not really. I don't know what to make of the whole thing about Mahomes never playing in a dome. I don't think that can be a negative, but it is kind of, I'm kind of wondering now, like, God, what if he actually be even better? Be better? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, if anything, he might need that because this Detroit defense might be the, one of the best pass defenses. Like it might be them in new England that are the best pass defenses because at least so far, Justin Coleman, who they signed from Seattle, he's been really good in the, the slot position, which is what he was supposed to be and uh Darius Slay very good of course uh Rashawn Melvin's like the weakest one and he's probably decent or something so they got really good coverage um that you might need like kind of busted coverage like Michael Hardman just running away from people to because it's it's a fluke that he does that time and time and time <laughs> after again though yeah uh I, th- I think that you know it wouldn't be shocking if, if the Lions run a little bit more zone than usual too and maybe after playing a bunch of man coverage, they'll slip up or something. I don't know. But Patricia seems to be doing a good job running the defense. And, uh, you know, on the other hand, you'd probably suspect the same thing about the Ravens. Didn't matter at all nope. in that last game. So maybe it doesn't matter at all what the, the Lions do either. But I, I think um, I would generally bet on Mahomes overruling circumstances that otherwise, you know, are meaningful for other quarterbacks. I'm not sure they matter much for him. But he, he also looked that same way last year and had kind of a down game in Denver. You know, he, he, may, be, he may be perfect. He may never have a bad game again. But uh, he did last year, uh, believe it or not. It's hard to tell looking at his end-of-season numbers, but he did have one kind of rough game. And this seems like the toughest one on okay. his, on his uh, docket, I think. But uh, I do like Matt Stafford and Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones quite a bit in DFS, uh, even as cash games uh, go, I think. And I like Hawkinson and carry on for tournament types. I mean, looking at this game, I mean, the over-under, especially, or no, just just in general, that this of this entire slate, this has the highest over-under by a pretty decent margin, you know, yeah. five and a half points there. So um, there, a lot of reason to get uh, invested into this matchup. Uh, let's shift gears to the Giants going up against the Redskins. Uh, the Giants, I, I don't know what to make of the Daniel Jones game. Like, it, it was... You can't deny that that game was very good, but how yeah. it translates the rest of the year and, and beyond, I don't think anyone really knows. Yeah, and he's got certain things that were like easy on him in that game, but also they might continue to be easy on him. Like, namely, the pass blocking seems pretty good on that team, like better than average, certainly. And, uh, you know, Evan Ingram playing at a very high level, Sterling Shepard playing at a high level. I think don't know, oh, sorry. I was just uh, going to say, I don't know what the effect of Barkley is going to be uh, being out is going to be, though. It might change the entire approach to the offense. Yes, because that, that easy, you know, easy check down pass won't be there as often. Some people, I think I think Chris Liss was talking about it on, on his podcast uh, earlier this week. Would Evan Ingram be the second tight end off the board if we were doing a redraft right now? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's like the only correct pick at tight end aside from uh, like Darren Waller and whatever Kelsey. Yeah, it's it's been ridiculous as far as he goes. So uh, I'm I'm criminally light light on him in my season long. So I've been getting a lot of him in DFS to to compensate. What do we make of? Wayne Gallman. I, th- I think a lot of people were overeager with th- with their bidding, and I know that some at some point, you know, when you invest your number one overall pick in Barkley, you need you kind of like need to go ahead and, and get his backup when something like this happens. Yeah. But he's just like the idea of him even 
replacing like a third of Barclays production seems almost a little bit far off. He might do not even a third of Barclays production if he had twice as much of the workload. Like he's not good. He's not good. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's one of those things where like, I think he's a totally good cash game play just because his ownership could be north of 60%. And I don't know actually what his FanDuel number is. It's 4,600, I think, on DraftKings, which it's not easy to find a good like bargain kind of pick in that price range on their their Sunday slate. So I can see, especially on DraftKings at least, uh, you know, it, it's not exciting and he might not be good. But the thing is, if he's not good and he's in 60% of the lineups, it's it's uh you know you can only sink so far in that case and also it's like the savings might help you meaningfully stabilize some other part of your offense i don't think he's gonna be in many of my cash lineups though because i just think he's really bad and who knows maybe that's maybe that's an error on my part because you know that sometimes those really cheap chalky running backs are best viewed as a free space in cash games kind of like gore last week it's like he didn't have a huge game but he if you had it in cash he, he didn't exactly burn you at all like, yeah. yeah but uh I don't think Gallman's good. Like I, I think I think he might go about fifteen snaps before they decide Elijah Penny is better. Ooh, like I'm not saying pick Elijah Penny. I, I haven't so much as like pick considered him uh, picking him up in season long. But I just think Gallman's really that bad. Yeah, he like we talk about like replacement level runners on, on this show. Sub replacement for and sure. He's, yeah, he's beneath that definitely. Um, on the Washington side, anything uh, intrigue you here? Got, I mean, this Giants pass defense still bad so yeah. I mean, if mclaurin's good to go it looked like he was having a bit of a hamstring uh earlier this week maybe as of today um, but if he's good to go it doesn't sound like he he's in jeopardy uh just yet but you got to figure that hit green light for him yeah if keenum and his foot issue are okay then i also like paul richardson on DraftKings. he's only 3800 or something like that uh-huh. and i think he or 3,700 actually, and he projects, I think, for something like five to eight targets, and it's in cash games. I particularly think he's he's like the punt play at receiver, I think, because even if he gets the five targets, he's probably catching three passes for like 30 yards in a very worst-case scenario, and there's also a pretty good chance that he goes to like eight or nine targets, catches six, seven, eight of them uh for 80 yards or something like that too but yeah if it's tournament upside you need then it's definitely mclaurin who seems better pick i think so too and then uh anything like is there any kind of i guess vernon davis maybe i don't know vernon davis always is out there for me uh i haven't picked him (laughs) lately because uh i just i don't know last week was the matchup reason i get in the in the day of the week that the game was on but i don't know it's like i if jones is competent then Washington has to throw the ball and it's like even if Case Keenum is bad the Giants pass defense seems like it could accommodate maybe anybody and uh, I don't know it's like we know who will catch the ball if somebody is yeah precisely so um, at least you know keep that in mind when when looking at this Redskins offense Um, let's skip on over uh, to the Seahawks going up against the Cardinals we got a nice NFC West clash here the Seahawks five point favorites in this one yeah, so I thought Kyler Murray looked pretty bad in that game last week where maybe some of it was Keenum just kind of, or sorry, Cliff Kingsbury kind of being figured out by now. I don't know if that's it. It seemed to me like Murray had some guys getting open at a couple points and he wasn't seeing them in time. 
And I don't know if that's because he just had an off day for no good reason or if something about the Carolina's zone coverages were confusing him. But when Ross Cockrell is on the field for like 40 snaps in a game, you got to do better than that against that defense. And I don't think Bradbury or Jackson or anybody are good enough to explain the numbers being that bad. And as bad as the offensive line is with Arizona, I don't think you can really blame the pass rush for how bad he was. He took a lot of sacks. Uh, I guess it kind of unraveled over the course of the game, but he looked bad early too. Mm. And uh, I don't know. It's like he looked good against the Ravens. He looked good in the fourth quarter of the Lions game, which was a tough matchup, but I'm not convinced the Panthers were a tough matchup. So maybe they presented new kinds of disguised coverages he hasn't seen yet, and maybe he'll be ready for them the next time around. Really don't know. There's a wide range of outcomes, I guess, but I'm back to like kind of pessimistic about the whole thing. Um, I don't know if Pete Carroll's the kind of coach who would present the biggest sort of challenge for him on the other hand because they seem to run just kind of basic cover three defense just with really good corners was the secret like they had the money ball thing with like long arm press corners that they get in the fifth sixth seventh round who fell because back then if people thought like don't want a big corner uh you know they, they can't turn and run or whatever whereas they were like okay well we'll just hold at the line of scrimmage with them and uh since they don't cost anything we can spend more money elsewhere and it all works out but now they kind of had questionable personnel and I don't know if they can really cover uh, four receivers at a time. Now, with that said, the Panthers seem to just stay in their nickel. And they, they weren't doing anything exotic. Like, they, they were running the defense they usually do. And it was a big problem. So, mm. if Murray struggles again, I think it's a Chris Carson game. I don't know if Penny's going to be in. He's not practicing yet. So, I'm assuming he kind of won't. Uh, if he is in, I don't really want much to do with the Carson in DFS. But... Even with three fumbles in three games, and he kept slipping in that game against the Saints, which was pretty weird. Uh, even with that the case, it's like if they don't have Penny, they kind of just have to go with him. Yeah, exactly. So, that, yeah, yeah. If, and if, and if Murray's not having a big game, they're going to slow down the pace with Carson. Yeah, so so that could, that could definitely play a role there. Um, obviously, after the first game of the season, people were like kind of pan- panicking about Tyre Lockett. We, pre- <laughs> we preached, uh, you know, to be patient. And uh, it's paying off. How is that for uh, correction, regression, whatever it is? Yeah, like was it like 13 targets? Each one last target in the first game, and or two in the first game, and then, yeah, he's like 25 in the next two. Yeah, so pretty good. Um, and you expect that, that you know, he can push for double-digit targets. Yet again, it, again, it, it sort of depends on how the pace of this one uh, unravels one way or the other. Again, like you're saying, if the Seahawks are able to kind of build this lead and, and kind of lean on Carson, maybe they don't need to turn to lock it as much. But I still figure lock is going to get his this week he's going to be really chalky him and cooper cup might be the most chalky receivers this week and for good reason in both cases i feel like it's pretty simple if kyler murray has a good game so does Lockett. i worry though that kyler murray won't have a good game and if he doesn't have a good game we could be back more to like the week one kind of usage right away Oof. and uh there's also you know it needs to be said david moore was back last week on the other hand, Jerron Brown has been playing so many snaps, and that guy is terrible. They need to get him off the field. Uh, it's it's like egregious how how much of a drain he is on the passing game. So maybe David Moore kind of complicates those those target shares that Lockett was getting. Maybe it's just they subtract Brown entirely, and there's room for both, and nothing changes for Lockett. Don't really know. But uh, Will Disley will be very chalky in DFS, and for good reason. The Cardinals have given up insane production to tight ends to this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hawkinson and Greg Olson, I guess. Most. And Mark Andrews. And Mark Andrews, yeah. Um, and Disley seems pretty good. So uh, he's only playing like 45 snaps a game, only projects for like five targets. But 
in the event that Murray has a good game that could be more like an eight target kind of thing. And he's pretty much, I mean, any Russell Wilson target aside from Jerron Brown is automatic, but it's like if the targets are there, it's just kind of done. Yeah. So I, I've, D- Disley has been like my favorite early season pickup to this point, I, I would say, because uh, probably a little bit because I didn't uh, get like McLaurin or anything like that, but of those sort of like under the radar, like next wave of guys. Uh, so far, I've been really happy with the returns on, on Disley and expect that to continue this week against the Cardinals team that, like you mentioned, has been really, really eviscerated by opposing tight ends. Let's get on over to the Texans-Panthers game. This kind of just feels like the epitome of like the middle class of, of each conference clashing here. Like it, They're just two kind of terribly coached teams, teams yep. in my opinion. I cannot tell you how much I hate these two coaches, <laughs> um, but... On the other hand, these are two offenses that are among the more up-tempo in the league to this point, and maybe that's just because of anecdotal details, or maybe it's because of you know just their approach generally, and I don't know if either pass defense looks like much of an obstacle for the other. I guess you worry about Watson in the pass rush, but I mean, they can only get away with so much, but... You know, knock on wood, up to this point, Watson has just kind of found a way every time. And he had a pretty rough, I want to say, first half last week. Like mm-hmm. I look, I remember looking at the numbers a bunch of times and thinking, like, oh man, it's just, it's not going to work. And then he had a just, he must have had like a 250 yard second half or something like that. He just, he's really, really good, and he might struggle, but he never really does for that long. Like it's rare to see him struggle for more than two quarters at a time. So if this game does go a bit up tempo, if Kyle Allen has another good game in a row then i think deshaun watson could have a pretty big game it's pretty like he's one of my four quarterbacks that i'm looking at the most in dfs and watson or, or allen watson okay. uh, allen i don't know he's he's like a justifiable tournament pick but i'm not convinced he's that good he could be good i'm just not going to use a good game against the cardinals as a reason to think so okay so the the texans present a, a much tougher challenge in your mind then I just don't know if it gets any easier than Arizona. Yeah, yeah. I just don't. And, uh, you know, they also they also had a reasonably up-tempo kind of feel to that game, even though they didn't have a high, you know, scoring game specifically on the Cardinals' side. So, I mean, the same, the same thing could be in play here. And I think Watson, you know, will actually score. So the tournament appeal is there, I think. I just... I don't know. It's like if Houston covers, Kyle Allen might just have a bad game or something. Okay. So if he does have that bad game, do you have concerns about Samuel or DJ Moore, Greg Olson, like kind of getting, you know, getting pulled down by the uh, Kyle Allen bad game? Yeah. And it's, it's not exactly like something I'm so concerned about that. I actually think about it. It's like, I I stopped thinking about it once I pick some other quarterback in DFS and I wasn't really going at those pass catchers anyway this week. So it's, if you own them in season long or something, I basically wouldn't think about this. Yes. And, and uh, Curtis Samuel saw some interesting stats on him. He's ninth in air yards uh, hmm. thus far this year, and he's got a 22.5% target share. I'm he gets sure open. Which, yes, he he's really does. He's a really good route runner. And so. Yeah, it's, he's, he's going to keep getting open, and if Allen is upright and you know making the right reads and throwing right it should work it, it even i mean it's been an improvement over newton certainly yeah so it, you know just by virtue of kyle allen not being broken the way that cam newton is right now so hopefully you know he can kind of keep this going and to and and kind of allow the panthers to 
keep Cam out until he's fully, you know, ready to roll whenever it's and whenever that might be. You know, yeah, I was like, what does that yeah, even? Ugh. We like kind of had the, had the smell out for that one. That's like he suffered a midfoot sprain. And you're telling us that like it's it's like less than a not a big deal or something. Like, come on, Panthers. I was like, I just assumed he was going to be highly questionable for week one, mm-hmm. and then uh, something like ten days before week one, they were like, actually, he's not even hurt, and. <laughs> Maybe I know what they said it's a re-aggravation. I hate that. It's an aggravation. Don't need to say re-aggravate unless you intend to say re-re for each second and third time after that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's like even if it's kind of technically a new injury in that it's an escalation, it's like that's because he was playing on a compromised foot. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of Cam Newton shares. I hate that. Um, I know if he was healthy, he wouldn't have been throwing as poorly as he did in those games, too. And if he, even if he were, he would have run a little bit, and I wouldn't care as much. But uh, just terrible judgment from Ron Rivera, as always. The guy just is no good. I agree. So, you know, this game, just two coaches, very unlikable, but two teams that I think are pretty fun to watch. So it, it might, you know, the, the players on the field might kind of still make this one uh, watchable despite their coach's best efforts. A lot of skill position contract. talent and at least one great quarterback. So. Yes. So exciting stuff there potentially. Uh, let's move on over one of the weirder kind of matchups of the week. I would say that the Falcons and the Titans, the over under at that one, 45 and a half. We have on one side, just like a very throwback team in the Titans that obviously had, had the longer week to, to get rested and everything, but they just kind of played this bludgeoning style of football. Whereas the Falcons, um, you know, a little bit more modern with the, with their approach and that this obviously coming in the dome, uh, could help things for them. What do you make of this one? I'm a little worried about that offensive line in Atlanta, just indefinitely. And I don't know. It's like he had a good uh, Matt Ryan had a good fantasy game. And I guess you could say a good game overall against the Colts. But he started really bad again. And uh, he basically just got hot for the last three quarters. So it's too early to know whether we'll look back in a month from now to, to, to think like, uh, you know, those those three quarters were more like the real Matt Ryan in 2019, or it could easily be like actually those first like two games and then the first quarter from the third were more what it would be like more of a high risk, like hectic, constant pressure, you know, more turnovers than you expected kind of deal. Or maybe the offensive line will get a little better over the course of the year and maybe he'll learn to kind of recalibrate the rhythm he had in mind and his dropbacks and when he should sense pressure or not and maybe he'll have just everything click i don't know it's possible on the other hand it's like i'd rather have him go against a worse defense than this if i was going to take that bet this particular week because the titans seem to have a pretty good defense maybe maybe it's not that good like maybe it's been boosted by a you know the the offense being so low tempo and leaving them with relatively few plays that they have to be on the field for as a result and maybe they just kind of maybe the browns just suck and what they did week one the titans defense maybe maybe that was nothing hmm. uh but they have good personnel like personnel that grades well and if that offensive line doesn't play well you know it might not even really be ryan's fault and he could have a bad game so i don't know uh, i'm definitely going with ryan in season long where i have him but i don't have nearly the confidence that i did like a month ago yeah it's been a little bit of a, of a rocky start, like you're saying, when, when it comes to Ryan. So a bit of a proving ground here uh, with, with a home matchup. And then on, on the Titans side of thing, 
things. I mean, Delaney Walker has been sort of a non-factor since week one, if, if, I, if I remember correctly. Um, and then do you like Derrick Henry in this in this matchup going up against the Falcons? And, I mean, I know that otherwise, basically, there's not, not much to look at from this offense. I guess what I can say is I like Henry if, if Ryan has a bad game. And I, I think I can imagine Henry having a good game, even if Ryan does. But if Ryan has a bad game, then Henry's going to get his carries. And even if the Titans offense is bad, it's like you give Derrick Henry enough 20 carry samples and we've seen it happen enough times now, the big play will happen eventually. Yes. And there's also the chance that, you know, Ryan just throws two more interceptions and they kind of start a drive at whatever the the Falcons 30 or something and he gets a short yardage touchdown to kind of, or maybe two. There's lots of ways that Henry can make it work just because he has such a stranglehold on them whatever that offense does the pie can get really small and he can still have a good game uh but yeah it's like the pie probably won't ever be big Mm -hmm. and so there's that risk in that sense like you take on some risk in exchange for not really that much upside because you need multiple turnovers from the falcons or you need you know a 70 plus yard run from henry for him to hit, hit his upside scenario but i think he's a totally decent dfs pick because he's not particularly expensive and i find you know, some concerning to me matchups with some of the high, high dollar guys. So I like Henry the same way I always do. And in season long, I think you feel good with him if you own him because, you know, other, some other running backs are having troubles right now. And Henry was pretty cheap for a guy who's done what he's done to this point. I think so too. So, I mean, and I think you bring up that good point about some of the other running backs that, that went in that very specific range and how they, they may not have uh, kind of popped. Just I'd rather yet. have Henry than Freeman. Yeah, def- definitely. Um, so, yeah, I I was starting to get like the FOMO on Freeman, but now I feel feel pretty happy that, that I ended up with, with no shares of him. It, 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 I don't know if it's no fault of his own necessarily, but just doesn't feel like he's going to come close to paying off. So. He's shown some signs of life in the past two weeks, but... You know, it's like, I can't get that excited about two almost good games. Like you just have to talk, you're talking yourself into it. At the, yeah, at it's like, th- he would be doing great if he were like a seventh round pick. Mm-hmm. But and he was his third he's, and fourth. He's th- yeah, so not quite uh, the same. Kind of, again, uh, a lot of those guys uh, kind of struggling to start the year. Um, we are, before we get into the, the Colts Raiders game here, we got message from our friends over at Sideboss. Hey, football fans, week four of the NFL season is here, and lucky for you, Sideboss has got you covered. If you missed entering the Sideboss Pro Pick'em Contest, it's not too late to join week four and still be eligible to win weekly and quarterly prizes throughout the season. In addition to our Pro Pick'em Contest, where players choose five games against a spread each week, Sideboss is currently offering prop contests for quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Play any Sideboss weekly or daily free play games free to play games i'm sorry get all the picks correct and boom win cash and an entry into the side boss 150k private nfl against the spread contest go to contest.sideboss.com and use promo code rotowire again that's contest.sideboss.com promo code rotowire all right let's get on over to the this indianapolis versus oakland matchup here uh oakland 
kind of turning into the pumpkin that that I think a lot of people are expecting after after that week one win uh, that continues to look less and less impressive the more that the Denver Broncos play God. football. Um, Indianapolis, meanwhile, you know, continues. They've been money in the bank against the spread, I think, to, thus far. Uh, they're seven-point favorites. That's a lot mm. um, for a team that is a little bit on the lower tempo uh, side of things like, like Indianapolis here. Um, so what, what are we looking at uh, for this game from a fantasy aspect and then from the side? Well, uh, I really don't know. I feel like the Colts are a more dynamic team from week to week than most. And, and Reich, he's, he's a guy who definitely likes to make adjustments. And uh, he's, he's not set in his ways. Like He's pretty pragmatic. So he might do the same things as the last few weeks. But that would only be because he looked at Oakland and thought those specific things would keep working okay it's not like he would go in like we're just gonna see how it goes and then maybe change it like he has a plan every time and uh, i think the plan always will need to entail marlon mack until further notice uh, especially with ty hilton i don't know what we can expect tomorrow but he's not practiced yet this week with the quadriceps issue that he went into last week with and then left early with after playing well up to that point and obviously he has the history of playing without practice but i don't know i hate that whole thing about just uh well he's played hurt in the past it's like well has he played hurt in the past with the same injury every time or is it like because if it's a toe or something and one year and then the next year it's a hamstring or whatever it's like yeah we know he's tough and he's he doesn't need much prep time or anything but like the injury is different every time i don't know what you can take for granted uh when when the conditions change like that so i'm not going to be playing ty hilton in dfs this week even if he practices on friday uh you definitely or in most cases anyway have to keep going with him in season long uh even if he doesn't practice friday and they say he's playing sunday you probably have to play him in season long but uh seems like a good time to get paris campbell going i think and uh marlon mack will probably get 16 to 20 maybe 25 carries and then three five targets and pretty much every game that he can handle it i think this is another game where he's a clear green light one of the better cash running backs i think in dfs one of the best season-long running backs to have this particular week. And, uh, yeah, I think I like him a lot. So, like, uh, when it comes to Mac and, and just, like, the, the running back picture in general for this week, it feels like it's not the week to pay up for the super expensive running backs. Maybe maybe just attack that that sort of mid-tier type of running back. What, like, what is Mac's price on a draft? Uh, probably McCaffrey. Uh, uh, actually, it's uh, – yeah, it's McCaffrey at 8,800 who – I mean – even if the Panthers don't have a good game on offense, he would be totally good in cash games if you can afford it, I think. And I think there are ways to afford him. Like, I put together a skeleton lineup trying to keep him in, and uh, I think I'm going to try to go with him. But there's, I think there's there's more uh, to interpret in this slate than last one because the Austin Eckler autoplay, I don't I – mean, you could just as easily do the autoplay with Eckler. I mean, he's playing against the Dolphins. Melvin Gordon will not play this week. But, uh, you know, him, McCaffrey, 8,000 or more, but then you got Ingram at 6,600 and I'm like, oh man, maybe I'm getting too high on the Ravens, but I don't see a big difference between Ingram this week and Eckler. Not $1,500 worth almost. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like I go with, and I also like Carson if Penny's out, I know he's risky in various ways, but I don't know. There's so much savings to be had there. So much security to be, to be had at receiver in exchange for it. Um, so I felt last week like McCaffrey was an auto play going against that Arizona team and what could have been like a really up-tempo sort of situation. The up-tempo is definitely there again with him against Houston. So that's why I'm pretty optimistic about him. But 
Yeah, I'm not I'm not as sold on Eckler as I thought I would be, even with Gordon not there. Yeah, and when we get to that game, we'll, we'll talk about the Chargers in general. There, there's there's a funk there. But yeah, Mac at 6100 is pretty easy call for me. Okay, so like Mac and like like Derrick Henry, uh, Mark Ingram, like you're saying, guys guys like that, I feel like are the ones that I'll be approaching more at running back that, than you know, say last week when, like you said, um, going after the more high price guys made a little bit more uh, sense. Um, anything else? from the Raiders side of this thing before we move on to the next game uh in deeper leagues JJ Nelson looks like the new wide receiver too and who knows how long that lasts it's not like they were broadcasting any intention to play him at all this year you know two weeks ago let alone uh going into training camp or whatever but the guy's really fast and if Derek Carr's just kind of throwing it to either Darren Waller or uh Tyrell Williams or the dirt in some direction then you know maybe Nelson can win out over the dirt yeah i think i think so he's he seems to have uh overtaken hunter henry or hunter renfro hunter renfro oh it was great while it lasted it it really was that that lead up to week one i was feeling good he needs to just rebrand as like a steroid using receiver like he's he's tried the gamer body thing and now if he just comes back next year comically jacked yeah he needs to be like julian edelman he he should try to do he should try to look exactly the same as christian mccaffrey next year and just he'll probably be like just all the amazing. curls just yeah. so many then curls. the grit plus all that muscle man that would be something very then then the the hive would be back in now he's just force. kind of like a mountain dew kind of sack yeah you know? like definitely just, definitely watched uh south park last night after his 15th mountain dew yeah so not happening this week at least for renfro it depends on how je- soon he can get jacked yeah so w- whenever that happens but again not this week um let's let's get on to that chargers uh, dolphins game i know we, we just mentioned it a little bit um from the survivor th- side of things i know that the dolphins ha- picking against them has been totally automatic uh throughout this season uh with the ravens the the patriots uh, and the Cowboys, uh, I actually faded the Cowboys last week, not necessarily because I thought they were going to lose or anything, but I figured that the rest of my survivor pool was going to go uh, with the Cowboys. And I was correct. Uh, 11 of the tw- or 13 of the other 14 teams did. I went with the Packers just because I, I have that little faith in the Broncos. So that was I, a good I, one, I read the room correctly. It just, you know, the Dolphins just couldn't quite give me those 25 or whatever more points that they needed to, to pull that off and, and win me the survivor in, in week three. Um, but I feel like the Chargers, ugh, I don't know, man. Like, uh, at least with, with this spread, I feel like I, I would side with the Dolphins. And I just feel oogie about the Chargers in general. They, they're great at, at letdown, like colossal letdown spots. And I know that's like super anecdotal evidence and everything, but they are going, this is like as far as they possibly have to go to make a road trip, right? So, I mean, there, there's that element to it. It's still hot down in Miami this time of year. They need to win by th- three scores you yeah know? so i would take miami to cover just because i could imagine the chargers winning this like 20 to nothing of course but it like i could also imagine them being like I don't know, 21 to 7 and it could be like one of those games where you watch and it's like oh yeah the dolphins never stood a chance they just got choked out from the first play and it could you know it's it's easy to get owned and still cover 14 and a half oh yeah so uh 15 and a half i don't really want to go with that could work i mean miami could be the worst team ever let's we we could find out with this game because i like you i don't think the Chargers in their current form are particularly good like they got some good parts but they're they're limited significantly by injury and uh i guess gordon's holdout you could include in that but i don't really it's more like they don't have hunter henry the offensive line you know it's like okun you can forget about over the course of the year but he's a big injury maybe the 
just as big as Derwin James. And it's like, they're both huge. It's both, both of those guys are really difficult to replace. And Hunter Henry would be difficult to replace on his own part too. So they're really shorthanded and they have to travel. Like you said, it'd be easy to just kind of let this be a trap game. Cause you just go in thinking like, yay, we play the dolphins. We don't have to try this week kind right. of thing. Uh, and maybe the dolphins just kind of not out of pride, but more out of kind of like a or like nerd rage or like the kind of rage where you just like get sick of being bullied and you just kind of like go berserk on that one kid and you have that superhuman strength for just that one day and never again. Uh, that could be the kind of thing that happens here. Who knows? But uh, yeah, 15 and a half is a lot. Dolphins and, all doing the Naruto, Naruto run or whatever. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I don't know what that... I saw people making a meme out of that, but I never looked into it. I guess I'm just old now. <laughs> I got I just got other memes that I I got my classic memes. Oh yeah. That I have my time saved for on, but the, on that epic win ba- social baby one or whatever from 2011. Yeah, foul bachelor frog things like that. Um <laughs> it, yeah, you probably forgot about that. Um I did. No, I don't look at memes, but I do remember uh, 2009. Uh but anyway, I think in this game Mike Williams is an interesting tournament play to me because Xavier Howard might follow around Keenan Allen, who I don't have any DFS interest really, not because I exactly want to fade the guy, but it's not obvious like last week. And I don't think that many people will chase him, but I still feel like much more confident than some of these other receivers. I'm not going to test my luck against Xavier Howard. I don't, I basically don't think Keenan Allen's game would work as well against him as Amari Cooper's game did. And Amari Cooper had a big game. Sure. Um, But he's also an amazing uh, explosive route runner whereas Allen uh he doesn't have the athletic tools that Cooper does he's really slick and insanely skilled but uh he might he might just have his biggest challenge of the year in this matchup and Williams on the other hand could just be going against you know Eric Rowe or some other joke and uh, he looked pretty good last week even playing through the injury so who knows uh Keenan Allen's fine definitely one of the best uh, season long plays certainly uh, but I don't know if I'll go at him in DFS. And I also don't know what I'm going to do with Eckler and Jackson. All I've really convinced myself is that Jackson is a great tournament play because you look at mm. what Tony Pollard did last week. Mm-hmm. Justin Jackson could do that. But uh, Eckler, I don't know. He's, he's a guy who I could be very wrong about this week because I, I guess I got to get some exposure. But I kind of don't want to. I kind of just want to go I'm at like Ingram to. and Carson and guys like that instead because I just can imagine him not doing a whole lot because it won't take a whole lot and i can imagine the chargers if they get it especially if they get like a two touchdown lead i can see them grinding the tempo to a complete halt just to get out of there Mm. and uh, jackson can do it they don't need eckler no they they really don't so that i'm really hoping for for one last hurrah of a one more great like top five finish from eckler oh yeah and season long you're feeling great oh of course but but yeah like like you said for when the when you factor in the dfs logic maybe he's not as much of a, of a home run necessarily, especially when you can kind of, uh, shape your lineup in, in a different way. If you, if you aren't sinking 8,000 of your, of your, uh, salary cap into just one running back there. Um, anything else to touch on there before we move on? Preston Williams in deep leagues. He had 12 targets. I don't know, a lot of something. air yards too. Yeah. I mean, desperate teams when they can't do anything well, it's like, you might as well just chuck it at the biggest guy. Yeah. They've been doing that. Devante Parker has like crazy uh, air yards numbers too. He's (laughs) just only catching 30% of his The ratio of air yardage to actual yardage with him is going to be some kind of 
record this yeah, year. Yeah, the, they'll they will have a, an exhibit of that in a museum somewhere in the not too distant future. All right, onward to Baltimore. Baltimore uh, playing host to the Browns. The Browns feeling like a fraud to this point in the season. It feels like that that offensive line issue that you know I. It was sort of glossed over a lot of the summer, and then I feel like it, it was uh, really cha- championed by the people that were off of Nick Chubb or whatever. Um, it's really come to fruition. I mean, the, the the stats that they were showing during the Sunday night game about Baker with, with no time to throw or getting rid of the ball in under like two and a half seconds or whatever it was versus uh, when he stands back in the pocket for more than two and a half seconds, it's pretty drastic. Um, if he's not getting rid of it, uh, it's probably going poorly for this Browns offense. And I don't know if this isn't necessarily a great Baltimore Ravens uh, pa- or a pass rush necessarily, but... I mean, it seems like the Browns can make any team look pretty good in that regard. We might, I don't know. It's it's tough for me to say because the Jets, yeah, they weren't they weren't slick in that game exactly. But at least Odell Beckham had a big game there, and I think Nick Chubb looks really good so far. I actually read this thing today from this guy Stephen Ruiz, uh, USA Today, I guess. He wrote an article that basically had the the thesis that. Actually, Freddie Kitchens' play calling it has not been bad in the offensive line. While not good, doesn't quite explain the extent of the failure and basically chalked it up to Mayfield kind of getting confused by some of the coverage looks and just not hitting the throws that he needs to. And on some level, like don't get me wrong, I am concerned about the play calling and the offensive line terrifies me, but this is also reaching the point for me where it's like I kind of have to decide either Baker Mayfield is the player that I thought he was or he's just kind of not as good as I thought and it feels like to me that this is an episodic kind of sort of struggle. He's I don't missed think... some throws that he never missed before. And the other thing to keep in mind is they looked sick when they opened that Titans game. They were automatic on that first drive and then they just kind of like fell apart after that hmm. and I don't know maybe they were lucky on the first drive. Maybe they just kind of got the yips after that first drive, and sometimes that stuff happens for no reason. Sometimes you get out of it for no reason, and uh, but sometimes you know you got a guy like Baker Mayfield who's, you know, he's he's not a he hasn't exactly been punched in the mouth l- lately. Like he had that true freshman year at Texas Tech where he walked on and he kind of had his struggles, and uh, he eventually got ran out in favor of Davis Webb and stuff like that but then at oklahoma he had you know of course just dominated no questions asked from that point but it just would seem weird to me if mayfield really struggled just indefinitely yeah Uh, with that said sometimes the conditions can undo even a really good quarterback i mean people were ready to say dak prescott was bad a year and a half ago when it was like tyron smith was hurt and ezekiel elliott was out and uh, they didn't have amari cooper and people were just saying like, oh, I knew he was a fraud. I knew. And there were so many of these people, by the oh, way. They were, they were waiting. They were biding their time. They, I don't know where they went. Where are they now? Uh, but they, you know, they were pounding the drum, you know, dancing everywhere because they're like, yay, Dak sucks. Uh, but it just turned out, I was like, no, Dak sucks if you take away his left tackle and his running back and you give him kind of just not good receivers. And uh, Baker does not have quite that many bad excuses, or he doesn't have quite that many excuses, but the bad offensive line is definitely like equal measure so uh i still think he'll fix it at some point because if if uh especially if like this article by steven ruiz is correct and it's basically baker mayfield failing for not a good reason 
I don't think that'll keep happening. I don't either. So what does that mean for this game, though? I'm not going at him in a DFS, certainly. Uh, I do think it's like a dangerous spot for maybe the Ravens to cover because I just don't think he's going to fail forever. Uh, I do still like Ingram. I still and their the Cleveland defense. It looks like it might be without uh, like its whole secondary again. Oh boy! Uh, or at least its corners. I don't think Greedy or Denzel Ward were back in practice as of today. So if they're out, that makes things easier for uh, Marquise Brown, maybe Mark Andrews, Willie Sneed, whoever. And if Lamar Jackson's moving the ball, Mark Ingram's getting scoring opportunities. That's a way for the Ravens to run away with it. But I don't. I just can't see Mayfield like folding and getting rattled that many times in a row. So uh, as an owner or where I do own him, I'm just I'm ideally keeping him on the bench and just hoping things turn for the better. But it's like against a defense like this in a setting like this, even a good game by the current standards wouldn't be that useful necessarily. There's been a like a drop Baker contingent this week that's popped up. Uh, I mean, I guess there's like if you have if you have an awesome quarterback available somehow, sure. Because I, I think like you know the thinking with that is like drop him for Daniel Jones. No, don't do that. Drop him for Mason Rudolph. I mean, like, well, definitely not Mason Rudolph. It's like I guess Jones has an argument for it. Certainly much better than Mason Rudolph. It's gonna break my. For- it's gonna break my brain if Daniel Jones <laughs> uh, is better than Baker Mayfield, both on the field and in fantasy. I this year. Yeah, me too. Especially. But I just. I'm sorry. Like somebody who produces like that at Duke needs a good offensive line and some easy throws, and I don't think they're going to be there forever. Whereas, uh, I don't know. Baker Mayfield has proven a lot of things by this point, and I don't think three bad games undoes it. No, I don't. I don't either. So this this should actually be a really good game, and I actually could uh, agree with you in the sense that the Browns could cover this one. Uh, let's get on to the Patriots going up against the Bills. Uh, Patriots seven point favorites on the road. The Bills have done really well to this point. Obviously, the Patriots look like probably the best team in the yeah. league. Bastards. Uh, yeah, they're probably the best one. But um, for fantasy purposes, I think a lot of people are scared off of, what, but scared by what Sony Michelle has done to this point. I think that's from a fantasy angle, that's probably the biggest storyline in, in this game. And like you said, we're we're kind of reaching this nexus within the season where. It's either he's gonna have a bad season, or like he's needs to start having that that positive regression to to the expectations. Yeah, and I'm I was not a huge fan of Michelle as a prospect. To me, he was like a second round guy, like totally good second round pick. But I was surprised when he went as early as he did. I'm also surprised he hasn't done more as a pass catcher. Don't you remember everybody saying like his biggest advocates were saying like he can do Alvin Kamara things, and he has specifically that been was like, always crazy. He yeah, it was. But he has been specifically banned from pass catching in New England. Like, they will not let him do it. Is it just because James White is so effing good at it, you think? They, they let just Burkhead like... do it, too, though. Oh, it's okay. like they let Brandon Bolden do more as a pass catcher. Come on. Uh, probably. I'm just making that right. up. I, I, I guessed. Uh, I might be right. And if I am, then I'm not making it up technically. Uh, but anyway, I don't know what to make of it. I am not encouraged by the setting. It's like, I think the deal with Michelle until further notice is the same deal it's been this year generally, which is you can you can hope for a touchdown or two but you also need to prepare for like nothing from scrimmage and this defense might be the best against the run so going to buffalo i cannot get my hopes up for the backfield generally here i don't think it looks good for burkhead or james white like james white i guess he does have the new father uh narrative if you want to 
I don't know how that worked. Oh, well, there was one one person who had that uh, last year. I can't remember who. Oh, crap. But they actually did have a good game uh, after their child was born. And uh, happens in baseball all the time, too. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so maybe he'll be better because of that. And maybe Bill Belichick, because he cares so much about the family and like he's he's just like such an altruistic guy, maybe he'll be like, James, you know what? You earned it, buddy. Uh, here's like 20 carries and maybe he'll do great, but I don't think that'll happen. And white has pretty bad splits against the bills. So he has his baseline level of play and he always to this point drop below it against Buffalo. So with Buffalo looking as good as ever on defense, I don't see a reason to be optimistic about that. But on the other hand, it feels automatic. It feels predetermined that the Patriots will win and the passing game looks unstoppable. So as much as the Buffalo defense looks really good and as much as the pass defense is imposing for most offenses, I don't really think it will be for the Patriots. Right. And so I really like Philip Dorsett, especially because Julian Edelman seems like he might be a little limited by this chess thing. Uh, and Gordon had something last week too. Uh, if Edelman is by chance uh, significantly limited or out, Jacoby Myers played like 40 snaps last week. Hey now. And it's less, I think it's the slot that maybe it's at least easier to throw to the slot than uh, Tredavious White, but I think Gordon can beat him. Sure. So I like Dorsett, Gordon, Edelman if he's cleared. I, just uh, I think Brady's a really good tournament play. Time is a flat circle thing with, with Jacoby Myers. <laughs> it's wild. Like week, uh, one, yeah, week I mean, one of the preseason crushed it, and now, now he's back. Yeah, I guess he's just like the new, much slower Victor Cruz or something. Wonderful. Just yeah. a, <laughs> good on him um let's see uh anything from the from the bills uh side of this one because of this you know while, while you said the patriots offense is great that the, this defense is stifling too yeah and the secondary looks just unbeatable so <sighs> i don't have any hope for the bills and I'm, I'm ready to put my money down on on the josh allen hate that i you know vocalize so much like, i think he's going down big time in this one he'll have his yeah. like big play at some point i think like he'll have a maybe like a 60-yard touchdown to uh, Foster or Brown or something like that. But I think he's also on like three turnover watch. Yeah, this this could get ugly for him. So I, I would honestly consider benching him if I had better options this yeah. week as well. Um, let's get on to two two other games kind of rounding out uh, the Sunday um, that have the lower over-unders of the weekend. So maybe not as much fantasy intrigue, but we got the Broncos and the Jags and also the, the Bears-Vikings, which Bears-Vikings is going to be a great game. It's just going to be one of those ones that if you like defense, you'll like this game. Yeah, I don't know if I actually expect Chicago to make that that competitive. I'm surprised they're favored. I would definitely pick Vikings to win. I know it's not Minnesota where they're better, but like the Vikings have a really good group of personnel on defense. And then for all his struggles, like Kirk Cousins is way better than Mitch Trubisky. It doesn't matter where it is, what the context is at all. Trubisky just looks bad. Like having an okay game against uh, Washington is just a big time whatever to me. I, oh, yeah. I do not care. And uh, David Montgomery is getting more going, so his owners have something to look forward to. I just have trouble seeing why it would be this particular week. Uh, and Trubisky... Like if he if he has one of his games like he did in the first couple of weeks, they're on shutout watch for this. Yeah, it could get really really badly or get really bad if if it goes that way. And again, you know, he's facing a, a defense that's certainly on par with with what the Packers and the Broncos in altitude uh, brought to the table. Certainly a lot better than than what he was facing against Washington a week ago. What do you feel? What do you think? Like 
have you been on Twitter every time that the uh, the Bears have played this year? Because I was Montgomery, actually watching Montgomery Twitter is just time. insane. Uh, Chicago Twitter? Yeah, well, just oh, Montgomery yeah. Twitter. It, oh, it my just, God, It's dude. like, I've never seen more intrigue over a player that's not that exciting. It like, is so it's, weird. It's so overwrought. It's, it's horrible. It's, it's funny. It's it, bizarre. It, yeah, none of those got Like, I, I got some heat from those people. You know, they're just saying, like, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You do not understand football. You're an idiot. You don't know anything about anything, probably. Do you have any idea how many tackles this guy broke at Iowa State, you moron? And it's like, <laughs> Listen, yeah, I actually do know. I've heard that one already, believe it or not. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's – I actually like, it's so weird of a position for me, too, because it's like – I would normally find a prospect like David Montgomery in like encouraging. I would identify with his his supporters because normally a player like him has a reasonable amount of fandom. It's like people are like, "Hey, I like this guy in the second or third round." Like imagine imagine Marlon Mack getting the reception as a third round pick out of South Florida, getting this kind of the hype that Montgomery did. It's like you would people would have thought you were psychotic at the time, but for right. some reason it's okay to be an absolute maniac about David Montgomery of all players. Yes, and and a lot of um, you know, disingenuous. I was wrong. I actually just thought that Matt Nagy, I just gave him too much credit. I'm actually smarter than Matt Nagy, by the way. So he's the one that's wrong with all of this, uh, not Dave Montgomery. And every time that Dave Montgomery runs for more than four yards, I'm going to tweet about it. Yeah, and every time that he breaks three tackles to gain five yards, I'm going to go with my megaphone onto my roof and start screaming about how like amazing that is when it's like, I won't do, the one thing I won't do, however, is consider... Well, what happens if he only breaks one tackle? What happens if he doesn't break a tackle on a play? How many how many tackles does he need to break to run 20 yards? Like things like that should have come up to these people because it's like, I mean, that's great that he breaks tackles, but why does he need to break so many tackles? And NFL teams like swarm to the ball, man. Like, it, you know, he's not going to it's, it's not, not like Oklahoma just one State. Mis- yes. Yeah. So the the juxtaposition between like watching Dalvin Cook play running back this weekend versus him on the other side is going to be Oh man. going to be fun. Dalvin is the real deal, and if he has another big game in this setting, it's like there's just no hope yeah. for slowing him at all. No, he he would probably project as RB1 the rest of the way, I, I would think. If like he, him he and McCaffrey and then it's like a gulf between the third one with Barkley out I think so too I guess uh, Kamara might be there hopefully, hopefully. yeah he, he did it last week certainly he yes that was awesome um let's see Broncos Jags I don't, I don't I'm sorry I like no offense to the Jags Broncos fans out there but mm, Philip Lindsay looked awesome last week okay. but uh if he does something here I mean it probably just because like Jacksonville missed their gap and his speed took over the rest of it I, f- I don't know what to make of the Jacksonville offense so much. I feel like it's a good matchup for Gardner Minshew. And uh, I feel like DJ Chark, even against a corner as good as Harris, it's like you put them on a fly route, Harris can't run with him. And it's it's not like Harris's fault. Just- Chark is also much larger. Yeah, he's way bigger. He's way faster, almost like 10 years younger. Uh, I don't know if that'll be the shadow plan. Oh, Kareem Jackson, actually, who's the slot corner and I guess the safety when they're not in nickel. He might not be able to play. Uh, also, I think the right tackle for the Broncos might be out. Juwan James? Yeah, and then Bowles at left is just terrible. Oh, so, he's really bad, yeah. So that could crater the whole Broncos offense. And then on the other side, um, as long as he's not shook by you know the travels and the mile-high environment, Minshew should have a pr- – like the Broncos don't have a sack this year. What the hell is that? How is that even possible? And Chubb is, is questionable. 
Wow. Uh, yeah. And f- I don't understand this. How does Fangio go from defensive coordinator where it's like he doesn't even have to try and he's got these pass rushes that just like just dismember good offenses left and right. Now he's running his own team and it's like he is, is, is he like has he changed his mind? Has he decided that rushing the passer is bad actually or it's like a little too risky? I don't know what it is, but he's overwhelmed. He does not have any grip at all on what's going on. And, uh, yeah, the Jags have the better team. Who knows what the environment does for it, but I guess I like, for, like I always do. I like Fournette as a tournament play because, you know, what if, what if, what if you're in mile high and you're like a season ticket holder and, you know, they go down 14, nothing to the Jaguars in the first quarter or something. It's like that team, maybe they like Vic Fangio, but it's going to be hard to keep being that bad uh especially on defense where you were good last year and you expected to be so good this year it's like just has to suck Um, and then joe flacco's your quarterback and like you also it's not like the case keenum situation where it's like uh you know we'll we'll pick the spot we'll at least be able to deploy dwayne haskins at some point we just you know maybe maybe not against the bears because the bears are are just killing our quarterback to look forward to and we have drew lock to look forward to and he's out so so it's like they don't even have that to like talk themselves into basically is what i'm saying so rough times yeah i will say i do like dd westbrook as a tournament play if only because no one will be on him and if kareem jackson's out I don't know who the slot corner will be. Uh, I guess it could turn into Harris. And in that case, maybe it's just actually a green light for Chark again. But uh, I don't think that secondary can run with those guys at all. And I don't think Minshew, like if anything, Minshew seems very convincing as a guy who can like outplay the circumstances at this point. Yeah, he is. He is the absolute man. I effing love Gardner <laughs> Minshew. So uh, look for him to, to have a good one against this Broncos defense, even in the altitude. Uh, before we get to our last little batch of games here, we got a message from our friends over at Fantasy Draft. Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site in the business, brings the heat again with a $750,000 guaranteed rake-free contest. The Hooter main event with its $100,000 first place payout. This is the largest and only rake-free contest running anywhere for NFL's Week 4. That's right. Fantasy Draft is the only fantasy site where you can play contests with no management fees taken out of the prize pools 100% of the time, not just for a limited-time promotional contest. Listen, as other fantasy sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. Whether you call it rake, commission or management fee the days of paying 10 12 or even 16 percent of your entry fees to the fantasy companies are over no longer will you lose 30 percent of your bankroll to the house sign up at fantasydraft.com today with promo code rotowire and you'll get a free seven-day trial on your first uh one excuse me one thousand dollars of rake free fantasy entry fees that's fantasydraft.com promo code rotowire don't miss your shot at millions of dollars in rake free contests this season start playing on fantasy draft today your bankroll is going to love it all right mario let's round things out for today's show we got uh the rams and the bucks um speaking of survivor uh from earlier i'm kind of thinking the rams might be my move this week i think uh I mean, in terms of the spread, I guess it seems pretty safe, and I don't know what Tampa's deal is. I don't think Bruce Arians and Byron Lefwich know what they're doing. I think they are frauds, basically, and I don't have a whole lot of hope for them. Uh, Winston's just a goof who doesn't at any point understand what's happening. He He's confused at all times, even his good moments. They might be without Chris Godwin. Uh, they could help themselves by giving Ronald Jones the ball, but that was the same case after week one, and they were like, no, uh, let's do it the hard way. 
So uh, Jared Goff is always better at home, or you know, generally we have reason to believe he'll be better at home. Cooper Cup looks automatic. I think Robert Woods is extremely due for a good game in this one, and I in DFS I might kind of go a little light on Cup relative to what the projections would tell me to do, just because I, I have trouble betting on Woods going a whole month with just trash. Okay, uh, especially in what should be one of Goff's better games. Like maybe maybe Cup has the bigger game of the two still, but uh, Woods is cheaper, and I think Goff might have a good enough game where all three of the big receivers get involved. Don't know what's going on with Gurley. Don't know what's going on with Malcolm Brown, but I don't know if it matters a whole lot for this game. Nine points seems like a lot, but for Survivor, definitely get it. I don't know who I'm going to go with for Survivor this week. I used the Vikings last week, and uh, I kind of wish I did what you did using the Packers instead because it'd be nice to have the the Vikings still uh, going into this this next part of the year. Uh, I think I'll go with the Chargers just because I don't know how good I think they are, and it's like as much as I expect the Dolphins to cover man uh i'll feel stupid if they do win but i'll be surprised too yeah that would just be yeah that would be just an absolutely outrageous outcome as i i think the one the week Dolphins that they they might go one in 15 and they might it might be the charges that they beat for all i know but man i will be so uh indignant if that's the case a lot of people will survive i think it is riding on that um and it's yeah it's sketchy i'm one of them um let's finish off with the night games here we got uh what do we got here saints uh, saints dallas goes to new orleans yeah yes and uh i know the saints in their history at the superdome or whatever but i'm sorry i think dallas is very clearly along with the chiefs and the the patriots probably one of the three best teams in the league and i think they win by like a touchdown at least i don't know okay i i do feel pretty strongly about the cowboys too i think that we've reached that agreement where like this offense really seems to be clicking on all cylinders and you know zeke is only going to get better uh with time and you know obviously the rest of that offense the passing games specifically is ridiculous the defense seems to be playing fast playing downhill playing really well um they basically had a bye week last week so they should be fresh going into new orleans new orleans just with teddy bridgewater back there obviously he, he played better uh last week but still i have some question marks about this saints team overall um i didn't think that they were overly impressive on on opening night uh either uh before they uh, before they somehow kind of pulled that one out just by virtue of the texans kind of blowing it and that's the uh, seattle game was just sloppy disgusting yeah. game it was not uh it was not graceful in any way alvin kamara aside it was not graceful he he is the most graceful yeah actually he's like that's the main word that comes to mind i it, think it is wild um all right let's let's finish it out uh steelers bangles uh, um <laughs> i don't know uh i'll take i don't know mason rudolph was really bad last week like if it wasn't for juju giving him 75 yards after the catch he might have finished with like 100 yards or something uh so he might be bad but the 49ers defense might be good and the Bengals defense is not good or at least i don't think it is so i think pittsburgh's offense looks better i think james connor gets going in this game and uh don't know if Mixon can make it two in a row he had a good game against the bills but I, I, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not getting my hopes up quite yet there. It's still pretty much just Tyler Boyd and, you know, we're going to keep chucking it at John Ross a few times. I don't know. What, what do you think about Auden Tate? I scooped him in NFFC um, for like 
a dollar. No, le- less than five percent of my budget, or or whatever, maybe like 05 percent of my budget. Okay. Um. So just uh, a dart because I didn't want to go on in on the super high price guys, and I wanted to kind of churn over the bottom of my roster. Yeah. Uh, Tate just has intriguing enough qualities to me to yeah. where like you know he can go up and get the ball. That's all they're asking him to do. They don't need him to be the speed guy that stretches the field or or the guy that just simply moves the chains. He can just be a red zone body. I don't know if that means I ever really play him in season long. You know, it, it would take a lot for for that to happen. And AJ Green will continue to be out for that to even be a possibility. But like for DFS, if you're playing the showdown slate on Monday night, I do think that Auden Tate might be worth uh, some consideration. Also think that Deontay Johnson seems like he's moving into a role. Um, he's got 15 targets already uh, through three games, which he hasn't been efficient with them. You know, six and a half yards per target, two drops on there. But you know, they spent a third round pick on him and, you know, James Washington's fine. Juju's obviously automatic, but you know, it's an NFL team. They got to throw, you know, they can't throw all their passes to just two guys. So you figure that maybe Deontay Johnson gets a little bit more involved here. So, yeah, I still think I have James Washington ahead of him. Yeah. I don't know if I have high hopes for either, especially, but yeah, for Auden Tate, his case, he displaced Damian Williams, Damian Willis from the offense. Damian Willis did not play an offensive snap in that game. So, uh, I was pretty low on Tate as a prospect, but the further context with him is like he was a five-star guy that a lot of people thought was going to be a first-round pick up until he ran a four, six, eight, or whatever it was. He still is like no worse of an athlete than someone like Geronimo Allison, but he's, he's a lot like bigger. The, he's like a poor man's Mike Williams, basically. Yeah, something like that. And the other thing to keep in mind about him is he was really young when he came out. He only turned twenty-two in February, so it's like. If he had stayed at Florida State another year, came out this year, maybe he would have been a fourth-round pick instead of a seventh or whatever he was last year. And he was legitimately good last week. So they have reason to keep giving him some run there. Someone as big as him, 6'5", 230 almost. Like, he probably helps with the blocking more than Damian Willis. And, uh, yeah, he's he's the, the red zone guy between himself, John Ross and Tyler Boyd if it comes down or at least the jump ball guy uh, if it comes down to it so I think he's pretty interesting even though I was kind of a hater in the past that was only in the context of people hyping him as like a first round pick as as this situation goes i think he's actually quite interesting yes so keep an eye out uh for him and and again for for your showdown slates on monday night uh you know he should be someone that, that you're considering kind of rounding out short corners there with. Ooh, i mean it's like joe hayden 510 steven nelson 510 or 511 mike hilton's 59 so uh unless they put like edmonds on him he's gonna be able to just kind of you know put its one hand on their head and then the other hand up in the air and just kind of keep the ball away from yeah, them. The classic bully move. Uh, but that's going to wrap things up uh, for today's show. For Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening to the Rotowire NFL podcast brought to you by Yahoo and Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.